0: Welcome to the Wondrous Atlas of Creation's Destiny, your guide to all places and plots exalted. I'm Rels. And I'm Aramithius. And just before we get started here, you can email us at wondrousAtlas at gmail.com if you have any angry letters or suggestions to send to us. Ladal. Spooky Ghostbusters. Not quite Batman, but they wish they were. Let's go into the themes. And the big one, if you've taken a look at any third edition book is the Shadow Crusade. You control F the Shadow Crusade through any Dragon Blood book and it's most of the Ladal section. There's a lot that can be done with it, but you as a ref have to kind of make a lot of choices about it that the books don't really give us.
1: Yes, because it's a bit bizarre, because part of it kind of feels like it's public knowledge that the Shadow Crusade is a thing. And it also feels like it's quite covert in how they do it and how they go about it. And so kind of balancing out that knowledge of what the realm has is more or less a conversation that you need to either have with your players or decide yourself as a storyteller. And that will have an impact on how House of the dial impacts your games. Because either they are just your occult fixers and you can use them if you have sorcery problems or artifacts or mances or whatever, as we discussed in the lore episode, as their bread and butter and income. But if you know that they are kind of consciously looking out for anathema and always hunting them down and having very much an open Crusader vibe about them, then that's going to change how they engage with the other houses to quite a degree.
0: Yeah. And it's basically a case of, even if you don't have a PC as a Liddell in your game, I should say, you kind of do need to make this decision if you're going to have House ladal feature at all, because it does change whether or not they are the sort of noble dark crusaders that they want to present themselves as, or whether you have to, as a ref, basically just make them dreadfully mysterious about everything.
1: Yeah, I don't think that that kind of mysteriousness really suits them too much, because, I mean, I kind of see them as kind of stoic, maybe, but Mm. not the ones darting off into strange corners and arriving at meetings soaked in mysterious blood or something.
0: Yeah, it's more I sort of see them as the sort that will go to your vague little political meeting and everyone's talking about how to tax the Antung silk industry and then they just slam a fist on the table and leave to go stab a ghost without saying anything because they think you're all wasting their time.
1: Yeah, pretty much. So to go with the Batman analogy, I think my choice for Lidal is... What would happen if Bruce Wayne was actually public about being Batman and was potentially seeking funding from the city to help him do that? I don't know whether that's a theme you can sort of run with. I mean, it's certainly something that Liddell will try and do when going with the other houses, emphasising the threat of the anathema and everything that that entails, or the threat of various other supernatural things going around, which as a ref you can kind of play with and say, well, is this actually a threat? Is this just Liddell being Liddell? kind of playing up that uncertainty as to whether or not it's worth bothering with.
0: Yeah, it's the whole, while you sit here pontificating and prevaricating, we fight the real monsters bit.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely.
0: (laughs) I almost think the books kind of make them a bit too noble in it for my liking. I think you should probably give them a bit of a chip on their shoulder about how the other houses aren't taking it seriously enough. And second edition kind of mentions that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. and. Kind of making them a bit weird. I mean, in the lore episode, we kind of played it off as oh, they're just the ones who aren't much fun at parties. But if they are going to be so focused and so dedicated, that's going to have an impact on how they play out socially, particularly if you're running things in a high school. The Ladal ones are going to be the ones that aren't quite sure how to interact with everyone else and aren't going to be making the connections that they need in dynastic life, which is going to hobble them later on. So if you're dealing with Ladal NPCs, they won't be well connected. They will be looked down or they will be looked at a little weirdly unless you have actual freaks within the house like Ladal Kess, who can manage to get that level of celebrity and notoriety to actually bring them into realm society proper.
0: I raised the one exception, of course, for the high school game Ladal being the standard outcast nerd. If you're in the heptogram, I can kind of imagine them being quite popular there, which is where most Ladals are, let's be honest. Even if they don't become full sorcerers, I think that's the place Ladal would want to send them, because that's where you'll find out what you need to know. That's
1: true. Either that or their own place in the Scavengerlands.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a high school game and a half, frankly. Right there in the in the slightly, slightly illegal... Well, not, not necessarily illegal. I don't think the realm has any rules that you can't set up Hogwarts. It's the not-quite-above-board magic school hidden in the place where realm people aren't supposed to be.
1: And that one's a lot more customizable, so you can pretty much make it into whatever you will. So if you are going to do a Ladal game where you are looking into preparing them for high school and preparing them for the rigors of the Shadow Crusade, then you can set it there and pretty much make it your own. Whereas the Heptagram does have its own way of doing things. I mean, it's looser than most of the other schools in and of itself, but it's still got its own strictures and its own connections to the realm that Ladal's own school doesn't have.
0: And notably for Ladal's little school in the Scavenger Lands as well, your players don't have to all be magic nerds for it, given that it is also the place that they base all of their Indiana Jonesing around the Scavenger Lands out of as well. Mm. So if you have a player who's really dead set on wanting to be a – I say big man with big sword, but above average size teenager with above average size sword, you can still have that there because they will also be training you in how to break into tombs and nick stuff.
1: Yes, that's true. You will have all of that variety there, but that also kind of leans into the idea of making it a mono house game, which you will have to have a particular type of player for, I suppose – or a particular number of players. If you've got two players, I can imagine that being a relatively easy sell. But if you've got four players, I can imagine that having a mono house game is going to be something that you would struggle with no matter what house you're talking about, frankly.
0: Unless you've got a very particular idea of how the plot will go. The other thing that we sort of have to ask, getting away from the schools, is back on the matter of the Shadow Crusade, what are the rules for it? Because... House Lidal aren't exactly known for their...
1: Um, what's the word? Pragmatism.
0: Nah, no, well, not necessarily. No. They're not known for their strict adherence to what Realm High Society thinks is right and proper. They are a by-any-means-necessary sort of people because they are that dedicated to their mission. So one of the questions that, especially if you've got Ladal players in there, you'll have to wrestle with, is can I use the weapons of my enemies sort of bit? And in bigger can I use my enemies? Because especially if you're based in or near that manse in the Scavenger Lands, Great Forks is right there. And sure, Immaculate Tradition probably says you shouldn't go and ask the gods and all of the exigents and all of the other wacky exalts around Great Forks for help, but it's right there, and you're fighting the real monsters.
1: (laughs) It's a good way to put in that sort of moral dilemmas that we've talked about a fair bit on this podcast already that you can kind of make them nice and in your face and but 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 we have a solution right there it's kind of tailor-made but but we it says we can't use it but why not and having npcs or even pcs in some cases present the different sides of that debate can work quite nicely and you can also play out the consequences as well cuz Well, Exalted is a game about consequences, I think, first and foremost, simply because of the power levels. But with that particular place, I can see the politics having a big impact because you start using tools from Great Forks to do certain things within the Scavenger Lands proper and potentially the Hundred Kingdoms and that sort of thing. You're going to get the various powers in the area that are going to start taking notice. You're going to get a coalition against Great Forks, potentially, even if you're not going to show that you're House Lidal directly. There's all sorts of regional politics you can play with, with the idea of kind of using weapons of mass destruction, so to speak.
0: And not just that, on the personal level, and we'll cover this more when we do a Great Forks episode, which, I'll spoil for you now, listeners, will be mostly me rambling intensely, because Great Forks is my baby. But Great Forks and the various powers within it, If you give them the opportunity, they will use you, (laughs) just as much as you're trying to use them. The three aren't stupid. The gods in the inner city are not stupid, and they will know that they can offer you things that you want. Great Forks is a city built on addiction, and it's not just at the chemical level.
1: Yes, and those sorts of Faustian bargains are actually a really nice thing to play up with with Ladar, because you're dealing with that kind of occult side. You can draw on the tropes, and they feel rich. Pulling on those themes of well, if I use them just for this one small problem at the start, and then you start to realize, oh, they can deal with this as well, and this thing, and this thing, and this thing, and you kind of get sucked into something. Uh, This works particularly well if I mean, not necessarily if you're dealing with anathema directly, or something that's something like a solar exalted as a deuteragonist or possible future antagonist that's kind of trying to draw you into its web, kind of um, having an eclipse cast play you like a puppet. Um, yeah. or something like that. I mean, that that thing can work in itself, but you need the ways to stop the players killing them in the first instance. Whereas something that's a bit more neutral, like the Gods of Great Forks, or people who are providing you with particular artefacts or telling you how they work, then you can use that sort of a thing. There was a second edition comic that was in the core book. It was one of the signature Solas, but I think it could be repurposed for a Liddell game perfectly well, is basically someone negotiating for a particular tome of forbidden knowledge, which the protagonist then just cracks open and uses on the thing that they've just agreed to pay for this <laughs> thing. So you've got all those sorts of bargains with um with those sorts of forces that you can do and double crosses and about faces on the supernatural level that can work yeah. really nicely. That will potentially mean that you need to build up ghosts and build up demons a bit more than you normally do. This won't just be persuading a blood ape to break down a door.
0: I'd even say as well, if you want another little supernatural sub you can build up for this role very heavily. Fairies. Use wild stuff for it, because Ladal Training 2nd edition says it's a lot more than 3rd, I'll admit, but they hate ghosts with a massive passion. I think it would take effort to get them to play with the undead. Demons, mm. like most sorcerers, I think they see demons as a risky tool, which is an odd way of doing it. But fairies, I think, given that the Fae do tend to follow rules of a sort, you just have to figure out what they are, I think a lot of Lodals would easily fall into the trap of, oh, this fairy has a role as a huntsman, so I just give him things to hunt and he'll do what I want. And then it starts falling apart because, yeah, don't mess with the wild. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Although one thing that I would say about demons, uh, one thing that isn't made hugely clear in the third edition core, but is a possibility, is that you can summon demons as a sorceress working. That's presented as pretty much the only way that mortal people can summon demons. And when you use it as a spell to summon a first circle demon or a second circle demon or whatever, all the proper bindings are in place. So there's no room for that going wrong. So what you can do as a storyteller is present them with problems where they need the demon above the level that they can safely bring them in so you have to bring them in via a working which is perfectly doable and you think oh yeah this is fine but you can start introducing caveats and little ways that the demon can work around it and you actually have that proper faustian back and forth in a way that you can't in the way that the summon demon spell is presented
0: yeah a lodal game even if none of the players are proper full sorcerers if your game is going to be categorised as a Ladal game, it's going to feel like a Magic game, more so than the rest of Exalted, because this is Ladal's area. And so you really, really do want to get into the sort of... the problems with Magic. It's what I'll sort of happily recommend uh, in the obligatory referencing outside media thing that you want to go and sort of read your John Constantine comics, you want to go read your Dresden Files stuff, because the setting's completely different, but the same, you messed around with Magic... That you shouldn't have and look what happened is very ladal
1: yes although i would say that if you are going to do that you need to do your foreshadowing you need to yeah. be clear on what your rules are in your head yeah. and so that you can show them so that the players don't feel that they've been cheated when things go south because otherwise you're going to end up with players with hurt feelings
0: you want to treat it as again with with the rules of it like you sort of said there it's like you let them summon a demon with the powers they've got, and then you make it clear you can go above, but that's taking the safeties off. That's, I think, all the real groundwork you need to do with the players there is like, you can do this much, mm. and it's safe, and it will work pretty much exactly as you think it will. I can give you a lot more without having to pay XP for it if, if you just want to take the safeties off. <laughs> because most players, most players will take that carrot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, although, I don't know, maybe I've just conditioned my players a bit too much, but some of them will just ask, okay, what's the catch?
0: Well, to the flip side, to give another little story from one of my games, this wasn't even a spell. This was just players doing something amazingly stupid, in that they went into a funny cave where there was a funny ritual going on, found a quite powerful, vaguely Malfian-tied thing that they couldn't properly identify that had been trapped inside an artefact And it was like, let me free, let me free, or I will destroy you all. And it was very clearly just in a box. One player, no, we should just bury this thing so that it can never do anything. The other one, the sorcerer, I'll let it free. It might owe me one later. And then he just let it free and left. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, dear. Players do not necessarily think about the problems, because that one wasn't even offering them anything. He just did in case, ooh, I can maybe call it in later.
1: Yeah, it's fun when you've got players that will occasionally just do things for the heck of it because they can see what chaos it could cause. And occasionally you'll get ones that will do that and you'll have no idea what on earth they were thinking, why would you?
0: If you dangle something that sounds like it could be an upgrade, you don't even have to hide the fact that there's going to be problems with it. A lot of the time players will take it anyway. (laughs) Yes, that's
1: the thing. I'm quite upfront with my players about... Okay, give me lots of material. I will use it against you.
0: Past that, we'll get back to the magic problem because, as you'll notice, this is the crutch of Ladal. But the other big thing you can play with is religion. And there's lots of immaculate things. And I think if you're doing a religious game with Ladal, you'd almost want either another player in the party to be, or if not, put an NPC in there of House Nemon. You want that contrast because that's the two approaches to the Immaculate Faith.
1: Either that or, it depends... Because I know that you're very much behind the idea that House Liddell knows the truth of it, so to speak, and the reasons for the Immaculate Faith. I'm a little sceptical about how widely known that is.
0: Oh, yeah, no. The upper echelons probably only have it. But
1: So you can potentially do that as almost a personal journey within a Liddell character that you will have a Liddell who is absolutely believing this is the cosmic truth of the universe then they kind of see how and why as it sort of all falls apart. It will require a bit of intricacy and I'm not sure that you could necessarily pull it off with a player who doesn't already know the truth, but just as a character arc to play through, that sort of thing could be quite fun as well. For that, you will absolutely need foils, like you say, kind of having a Nemon around or in a seat, or even just a talkative god who's just absolutely disillusioned with their station. Send them to go and sort out one of the censors, like the yeah. one in the third edition core that's the censor of the West, who's actually, he's an elemental, but he's just elevated to the station of celestial office and just thoroughly jaded with the whole thing. And so just kind of introducing that side to the characters. And giving it some emotional weight, rather than just making it a plot point.
0: It's really as well, sort of the the reason that I sort of sort of Nemon, but having a triangle of a Nemon in a Celsius and a Ladal is also very good for this. When we have our Immaculate Philosophy episode, you'll get a lot more of the thoughts on this. But the way that different people in the realm approach their sort of faith with it, because it's Ladal, I almost see them as seeing it as a functional tool. Like this is our remit to hunt the monsters. This helps us do it. Whereas people like Nemon. I think they're a lot more your village priests. Yeah. But they might not even necessarily believe in much of the mystic side of it, but they're like, no, this is good. It helps people live a righteous and upright life. And that's the point. And then someone like the Aselsi who's just like, I've got nothing else to hang on for.
1: Yeah. And you can have all sorts of different kind of personal shades of devotion, even those three archetypes. It's just yeah. a really, really nice way of building it through. And If you're bringing Lidals in, I think that sort of function and learning the role that it plays in stabilising stuff is going to be a key part of it. I mean, Ladal immaculatism is going to be much closer to the exorcist than anything else. It's the idea of, oh, this stuff actually has power, this actually has a point, and that sort of revelation for the characters.
0: Yeah, it's kind of, the way that I see Ladal treating immaculatism, as we're now going to keep calling it to not differentiate, is very, very much sort of early Japanese Buddhism, basically, where it's like, Do I necessarily believe in all of it? Not really, but it's extremely useful for what we need to do. Yeah. This is the best path to get what we need done. Because I wholly believe that, and the way that the Ladars behave a lot of the time backs it up, that if it's easier for them to kill the thing they need to kill by giving a few prayers and a bit of worship outside of the calendar to a random local god, they'll do it. They'll do it with very little hesitation. Oh, yeah. They're not devoted to the religion. They're devoted to what the religion can do.
1: Yes, (laughs) There's part of me that's wondering then if you can kind of have a Ladal antagonist almost that's a local immaculate priest who is blatantly going against the way that the immaculate (laughs) philosophy teaches and doing all sorts of things wrong. And you can kind of find out, well, what are the reasons for this? Either have the conversation with them or just smack them down, tell them, no, you need to absolutely follow the strictures of the order. And then you find out what happens when you go back to that
0: back to consequences (laughs) yes yeah it's that sort of thing another thing with their big sort of themes and this is almost entirely second edition how it treats them but the way second edition treats them is so different from the rest and yet can still work with what third gives us that i feel the need to sort of mention it of second edition basically wants them to be halfway between indiana jones and the ghostbusters a lot less batman and a lot more adventuring and that can still really work especially if you take down the whole idea of the shadow crusade is them being absolutely dedicated not to, like, again, say Nemon, where Nemon is like, no, we're going to protect the realm. If you have Lidal be like, no, we are here to protect creation. They can and will just go off beyond the realm's borders to go and deal with something that that they've like heard about causing a trouble in their local area, but they're like, oh, he's not local anymore. That's not going to stop us. Off we go.
1: And you've also got the ideas of, well, you can have a Ladal being involved purely to get hold of the thing that you're questing for. If you're just going around tomb raiding, then you can have Ladal being involved in that general exploratory dungeon-delving feel stuff simply because, oh, that might be useful. And you have the Ladal seizing the sword out of the tomb and then sending it home, at which point any non-Ladal is going to be a bit, huh? It's how they treat those artefacts and, and the reasons for going on those sorts of quests, which are the thing for for Ladal and why they're involved.
0: Not this belongs in a museum, but this belongs in our vault. (laughs) Yeah. Another big theme you can sort of go with it that I really do like is you can almost get, and for the Wilder Darkness players there, a lot of the stuff they mention in the Hunter books, basically clean and clear of the Ladals that get, and this one's maybe Deuteragonist, maybe straight up antagonist, of the ones that get a bit too obsessed with the hunt and a bit too obsessed with the job, and the ones that it's almost the... I don't want to call it workaholic because that mundanes this fantasy a bit too much, but it is that one of the one that even other Ladals find a bit creepy because he's sitting there sharpening his knives thinking about ghosts.
1: Mm. <laughs> yeah. And you can kind of play with the idea as well. How far is too far back to that thought of idealism versus and- pragmatism, which is one of the key questions of Lidal at this point in time.
0: And what kind of damage does this crusade do, not just to like other people, but to the people engaging in it?
1: Yes. Exalted is a game where you can play around with themes like PTSD and the like, and Ladal is one of the houses that's most amenable to that, I think, because of what they're going up against. But clear that with your players first before you go into that, because that can be either something that they are not equipped to roleplay properly and will end up ruining the mood or that they will take too personally and it will be something that's upsetting for them
0: yeah it is again just for other games that aren't exalted that you can try and steal the tone from It's like i said hunter earlier you can also almost go especially if you have them be genuinely out of their depth with what they're going up against because i imagine ladal frequently are because they poke around in places they don't really know about. You can almost go a bit Call of Cthulhu with it.
1: I was going to say, Ladal is the place where you kind of go cosmic horror for at least a realm exalted.
0: I mean, you can go for the um, this one when we get to an Underworld episode or or an Abyssal episode or something like that. We'll talk about it in more depth. But a Ladal finding a place where you can hear the whispers is entirely a sort of thing that they will end up getting into. Uh, The whispers being... So the big super baddies of the underworld are the neverborn things that died that shouldn't have, and that in fact can't. And they talk to people, and most of the time they just talk to ghosts, so that's not a problem. There are some places in some Shadowlands where you can hear them.
1: Random thought. What if the oracle in Ayolf Prefecture is whispering from within a cave and is the voice of the Neverborn?
0: Oh, that could be it. That, that that kind of does sound like a thing they were setting for, frankly.
1: I don't know whether it's something that is definitely the case, but it would be something that's very, very on theme with Lodalis, investigating that oracle, kind of setting that up as...
0: <laughs> that's why they don't let you in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's only a select few who have been very well trained that can hear it and not go a bit...
1: I can see that sort of a game being that a shepherd gets in or something. Someone who is entirely unequipped to deal with that sort of thing, ends up kind of stumbling in, gets spoken to, is now a prophet. And you're going to have to futz it a little because there's no indication that communing with that sort of power would necessarily bring power to the person themselves. Or it could just be a case of, they get put down in the initial thing, and as you cut them down, they get made into an abyssal. and You've got a longer arc for the route for an antagonist there, with potentially genuine grievances and a proper peasant rebellion on their hands. That could work really nicely.
0: Is the- what? What? Why, why are you doing this to the big angry abyssal warlord? You stabbed me! <laughs> <laughs> The way I'd say we do that, especially the longer term, I'd almost say you have that thing with just the peasant who goes a bit funny and starts preaching things that Ladal can't allow to be preached, and he gets executed. I'd almost say you do that very early and then have a secondary villain for a long enough time that the players will probably forget it as a relatively minor arc until he comes back. Because that then lets the players be in the right mindset as people, as the characters would be, of when he starts acting really aggrieved by them personally because they ruined and ended his life. Like, who are you? Shall we put a
1: pin in this and actually do this for our Maker game later?
0: We shall. Audience, we have now just changed the script (laughs) mid-recording. Yes, yes we have. The other one that we do have to go for, we've mentioned a bit of the consequences of messing around with magic things. The other one, again a bit of second edition that you can really easily put in and it it actually adds a lot to the moral complexities of Lidal. Second edition said a load of them had demon blood. Third edition mentions nothing of it, but That adds a layer to the complexity of them morally that I really quite like, that Mm -hmm. by their own rules, they're the problem.
1: Yes, I can absolutely see that. And you can have antagonists that have legitimate beef with any good Liddals that you're playing here, either as a player character or as a sympathetic NPC. It depends on what your players want to play and where that goes. As in, if you have a Liddal PC, then that can be a kind of a personal journey for them to discover what their heritage was and how their ancestry worked, what that means for them going forward. If you have it as an NPC, it's going to be one step removed, but you can still have that same journey. You can have the players going through and investigating. It's going to be a slightly different take, because if it's a player character, you've already got that instant level of empathy, and no, we don't want to kill this person. If you're doing that with an NPC, you're going to have to build that. You're going to have to have them get to know this person and have them see what good works they're doing and move on. And then you have them steadily uncover stuff about what that means and how they kind of function as a person. And But they're doing all this good work, but there's demon blood in there. Something could go wrong. Is demon blood enough to mean that they deserve to be killed? All those sorts of questions can come out.
0: Especially if you do also have a bit where someone that isn't Lidal, perhaps even just a mortal who has that problem, does go villainous. And then you play for the players who might be from the other bit of Lidal or just might be low enough ranking that they're not told, then slowly find out, oh, there's demon blood in Lidal. we need to find them and take them out. Oh, Oh, oh God, it's nearly half of us. And it's that uncomfortable thing of family versus duty, which is very, very leaning into every sort of story source that Exalted
1: loves. (laughs) Yeah. And if you want something that's kind of on the nose for that in terms of kind of things that you can plot out, look at the Poison Song short stories that is part of the Elder Scrolls game. Some of their in-game fiction. The book's Poison Song give you a very, very good arc for someone who steadily realises their ancestry isn't what they thought and leads them down a darker path and everything that could do either use that to plot out how an npc turning into an antagonist will do or to how you can kind of introduce people who potentially know a bit more than they should and kind of just breadcrumb a pc along that sort of a journey and just kind of leave hints here and there potentially as well on our game level let them do something that they otherwise wouldn't. If they have failed a role, then narrate it succeeding, but with elements that make them slightly off, so the players are alerted to something going on on a system level, and so that there is that incentive to think, huh, what's going on here, and kind of chase the trail of breadcrumbs a bit.
0: Yeah. So now we do get to get into the games you can do with Ladal players. We've already hinted quite a lot. I don't think we've actually directly said it yet, but they are the Inquisition from 40k.
1: (laughs) Yes, it does feel that way.
0: (laughs) And so you can basically do a game of dark heresy, but in Exalted. (laughs) Yeah. Complete with potentially, especially if you're out on the threshold, the standard dark heresy end result as well of we've seen enough problems time to commit an atrocity to deal with it
1: yes the ladal dark heresy is just an excuse to go poking around in anything that looks even slightly supernatural and just kind of get sucked into a horrible horrible world where you are the only light in this kind of universe sort of thing and mm. the questions of should you be doing this how does it play out and what does that mean for the broader creation is something you can really do there and kind of play up the ideas around the inherent darkness of some things as much as exalted doesn't really do kind of good and bad and that sort of thing as we said in the lore episode or at least it doesn't do kind of black and white good and evil morality for that sort of thing ladal player characters in this sort of a game can be used to emphasise that sort of a point of, there might not be totally white, but there is absolute black.
0: Yeah. And equally then, to further in on that, if you want to do a game that, again, we've talked about the houses, we've not even finished with them yet, but you, the audience by now, should know that the realm is pretty much rotten to the core if you want to start exposing that, if you want to start doing a game where you poke around the corpse of an empire, basically. Yeah. You use Ragara as your moustache-twirling villain. House Ragara is so obviously made for being evil, but especially for Ladal. Poking around, again, very 40k Inquisitory, poke around the corridors of power and try and find out where's the rot here, where's the eviltons here, and it's always a Ragara. It's never anyone else.
1: <laughs> there is part of me that just wants to try and work out how you do something like that as a non-Ragara. The idea of just to go for the oldest scrolls idea, that it always seems to be the Altma that muck around summoning Daedra. It's never anyone else. And the kind of the reasons as to why that is. And they shouldn't be. They should be sort of the ones that are good and noble and striving for perfection. The ones that you don't think would be the ones. The ones that you can't imagine being the demon summoning ones are generally the characters that kind of stick in your head. Kind of the quirrels of this world, to use a Harry Potter reference. So if you can build up unlikely villains and giving them reasons to have those sorts of relationships and build up demons and that sort of thing. I mean,
0: I can think of a few outside of Ragara who could be used for it as an actual interesting subversion for it. I could see, not with demons in this case, but playing with ghosts. I could see Nelans being in on it. I could absolutely see Nellens just using ghosts as extra cogs, and it's that sort of thing. But you do need to basically find... You give a character with power and authority and propriety a reason to do something dodgy and magical and then you have the players try and figure out, wait a minute, what's going on, and uncover them. That's sort of the crux of the realm game there, and you can use that to basically poke at all of the ways that the realm is kind of falling apart. And this does sort of segue into the fact that, for most Lidal games, sorcery is going to be, even if none of the players can do it, sorcery is going to be a major plot point, because Lidal likes poking around with magic.
1: Yes, and you can see why people would use it, and even if it's right down to Lidal Q, saying now pay attention 007 and giving you some artifacts or other that they don't quite explain how it works and just getting you on board with how ladal uses sorcery and kind of the ladal machine as well and kind of making that sort of feeling a bit more prevalent is one way of doing it as well and if you have a ladal sorcerer i mean it will depend quite a bit on your players but they will have a very different attitude to sorcery than most other houses, for starters, sorcery leads to social ostracism in the realm, and being a ladal leads to social ostracism within the realm. So you've got that kind of parity and you've got that dual outsider status, but you've also got the idea of this is something you use, not something you get into in a way that other houses just will indulge the person in the corner.
0: yeah, it's kind of why I'm almost thinking a really good villain archetype for Lidals. It's probably actually going to be the sorcerer who gets into sorcery, quote unquote, who makes being a sorcerer very core to their identity. And it's the whole, why don't you get this? You know how they treat us sort of bit.
1: Yes, that you could really play up the kind of the social side thinking about that.
0: Yeah, it's the two outsiders on either side of the fence sort of thing. Then the next thing that you do with Ladal as well, it's ghosts. You're, you're Ghostbusters and that can be local ghosts. There's a point that, frankly, a young Ladal dynast, like I'm sort of talking fresh out of high school, there's a non-zero chance that some of your day-to-day is, oh, people in your family's lands are complaining about a haunting, and the house would be like, okay, let's see how good you are at dealing with ghosts. Go deal with that haunting. All the way up to it's time to bully a death lord, which second edition said they kept trying to do, which will never not be funny to me given the power gap. There's always a default when talking about using the death lords as villains for people to say use the mask of Winters because he's the nice generic death lord. I don't think it works for Ladal for several reasons. One, power, again. The Mask is a necromancer, and he's a very, very, very good one. Even the best Ladar sorcerer isn't lighting a single candle next to what he can start doing magically. But the other one is location. He's based in Thorns, we know this. Any problem you have with the Mask, I think it's kind of semi-universal amongst the Exalted fanbase at this point on how you deal with the Mask, and it pretty much always involves getting a very big alliance together and throwing a very big army at him with lots of magic. The Realm can't really do that in Thorns because of where it is. And Ladal, who doesn't even get to speak for the Realm like some other Houses could, really won't be able to pull it off. Because it will kind of end in a uniting the Scavengerlands sort of game, which under a Realm banner is not likely to happen. I'd almost say if you want to put it in the Scavengerlands, and Ladal have reason to be in the Scavengerlands, they have their Hogwarts there, you use Walker in Darkness as your villain. And that gives you a lot more subtlety to play with as well, because he... Okay, he suffers from massive changes between editions. But the one that I like for him is that he's your Faustian bargain death lord. He's the talking one. He tries to cultivate an image as the friendly death.
1: Yeah, the one who you can negotiate with and send emissaries to and that sort of thing. Whereas the mask doesn't really do that. He just kind of He's a tyrant. Sits there and is ominous and there's kind of the rolling tides. And the only way I can really see the realm as a whole taking down the Mask of Winters, is if you have the Realm Civil War and end it very quickly.
0: And have the winner decide that the mask has to go. Yes. Oh, you could have that be a part of a plot for a Realm Civil War game of a, how do we prove to the houses that I am fit for the throne? Raise an army, let me take out what you've not been able to for the past few years. Under my banner, be it. I actually used a similar plot to this in my game, not for the Realm, but for someone trying to take over shy, and it worked. Yeah,
1: although with shy, that's a bit more doable
0: (laughs) it's one city but it's the case of proving your right to rule through might
1: yes no and that would absolutely be a thing that some of the houses would want to pull off properly if things ended quickly enough
0: we did mention house ladal does want to play friendly with house and does want to try and put catholic canaan on the throne this is true emperor canaan Proven to the other houses, because no one really hates Kathak. We established this in the Kathak episode, where the diplomacy section was just kind of like, Ehh. no one has a beef, but no one really likes them. I think that's a way that Kathak could win enough friends to let there be a Scarlet Emperor of, behold, we're marching the legions forth, we're taking back thorns, with the Ladal players here basically being the, come on, come on, we can do this. Look, you've got your magical kit. We found you an artifact that releases true sunlight as a beam to deal with ghosts. Like you said, Ladal Q but you as the players have to go and fetch the toys to be Lidal Q.
1: Yeah, that was my thought. If you're doing that sort of a game, you need to have the players be something relatively pivotal, either as the deal brokers or you have them, well, doing fetch quests, but doing pivotal fetch quest that will have multiple parts and will have some crafter somewhere assembling all the bits which is also how you can bring a ladal crafter into the holster bank
0: you can even also use this as a whole bit of the how pragmatic do you want to be you found a freaky solar crafter based in a tower who will make you this ghost busting weapon but it's a solar you're not supposed to work with them but they're very good at it
1: (laughs) and that again can be a very very sort of political angle of you can do this you can pull it off you, wow you can really pull it off you've got a solar backing you here but if anyone ever finds out then the whole thing will fall apart
0: it jeopardizes the whole project the next point that we've got in our little list here and i'm pretty sure this was written in by me is just the phrase magical scooby gang question mark oh that's your
1: general kind of monster of the week thing that you do with little pcs you have them go and hunt down stuff and have them find things and then bring them back. It's not necessarily just unmasking the person in the costume, but you can kind of act as your lawman going in and basically breaking down ancestor cults in the threshold and bringing in enlightened realm governance in inverted commas and that sort of thing. Or you can have them just going down and hunting for ruins and sending them home and that sort of thing, just to bring artifacts into it. Or you can just have them as a kind of a spidey senses in another type of game. If you want to have a game that works on another dynamic that's not primarily a supernatural one, but has some sort of supernatural element or such to it, you can have the Ladal being the one. but, But what about this? Or this looks familiar to such and such a thing. And kind of bring in the supernatural element that way. It's one way to get the more bookish characters in general involved and have them as things that can generate plot for the other characters if you've got characters that are involved in other areas and just kind of bringing the whole of a rather disparate party into a coherent whole.
0: Yeah. And then we talked about how to use Ladars as players. There's a few points for designing Lidal NPCs for when you need, in many cases, a plot function. Lidal is really guilty of becoming a plot function, more so than a lot of others, because the top point of that is mentor figures. Even if the players aren't Lidal, almost especially if they aren't Lidal, Lidal is mentor bait. <laughs> like, they can be old and wise and slightly jaded, and they can give you advice on how to deal with that supernatural problem, but say, no, you shouldn't, you should just stay away, it's for your own good. And that whole bit.
1: Yeah, you could also... It's almost a gap of kind of filling in if you've not got it in your party, because if you've not got players that will bring a character that can bring in some kind of lore or mystery to it, the thing that's generally given in films as an exposition machine. That's absolutely... Now you shouldn't run them in a role-playing context because everyone gets bored if you start expo dumping, but have them kind of act as a framing devices to say that... Right, this is why you're doing a thing. It might be that what you're doing is not really particularly mystical or spooky or whatever, but it can kind of tie into larger things and have the Lodal figures give reasons and the why to particular types of mission.
0: Yeah, and they often will be monks or, as I like to keep calling them, nerds. Um, they...
1: scholars scholars <laughs> that's the proper word come on
0: it might be but then again equally i can't see them rising a lot in many cases because indiana jones is not necessarily a scholar but he is definitely that's true. a nerd and indiana jones i'd almost argue could be a signature ladal yes uh, for, for the for the ladal that goes against what you might initially think like that sort of swashbuckling adventurer tomb raider sort lara croft could also be a ladal yeah, especially
1: kind of in The Last Crusade. Mm. Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade is a very ladal film, thinking about it.
0: So is Ark of the Covenant to a degree. Like, look, we've tried to race, uh, let's say, House Ragara to a dodgy artefact that we're pretty sure from our research isn't going to be safe and then they open it and it kills them.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and we go and put it in the vault. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: I was waiting for that scene to be relevant this episode. I really was.
0: It had to be, really. You're saying Last Crusade. I think you can quite literally do the you have chosen wisely scene, piece for piece and word for word, with a ghost
1: of a warrior. Yeah, I mean, not quite with the grail, but yeah, it can bring up the quandary of kind of how to use a thing. Hell, if you're looking for other mental figures, the ghost or the kind of the aged Ladal who's kind of, not quite with it or is maybe busy with his own stuff if you kind of smash the knight from the last crusade in with gandalf from the hobbit (laughs) that kind of approximately there setting you in a direction and then going off and doing their own thing and then coming back and providing context for things that the kind of intermittently there but there's obviously other stuff going on is a way to again make an npc into a framing device which ladal does very well
0: or another one is good for them as well, um, for another sort of Lodal party function for when they come home sort of thing. It takes a specific kind of player to find Exalted's crafting system fun. (laughs) Uh, That's the nicest way that I'll put it. If your players don't want to get involved with that arcane pile, then a Lodal is a very, very good option for them to still have access to someone who can do crafting. Like, you can do it somewhere halfway between Q from James Bond and... The friar from that Hugh Jackman Van Helsing film. The one who you can go to and ask, look, we're trying to kill this. We need a specific tool. And then they can give them a shopping list.
1: Yes. And again, source of fetch quests if you need it. And things that will steadily build into things. But with Laval NPCs, another thing that you need to have is the, kind of the bigger picture in there as well. We've kind of said keep them at a distance and keep them... With their own goals, if the players want to use them for certain things, have them be that, but also make it clear that Ladal involvement has a price and there is a reason that they're helping.
0: Yeah, like the crafter guy that we just sort of mentioned, that one probably to the players would feel like it had relatively little price because it's like, yeah, we're trying to kill a big ghost. Help us make a thing to kill a big ghost. Sure, Lidal also wants to kill the big ghost. But then on the other hand, if you're using them as like, oh, we need a weapon here to go and fight this... Mundane things like, fine, I want you to go and deal with that freaky monster that we can't send people for. They can send you on monster hunts just as much as anything else.
1: Yeah, or make it clear that they'll help you for this monster, but that monster, no. Give Ladal NPCs goals to aim for, and make sure that the players are an instrument in those goals.
0: Yeah, I kind of think as well the other one that is, they will trade you in knowledge just as much as anything else. It's a case of, like, if you found a freaky book, or if you found evidence that the Mask of Winters is trying to expand his domain to such and such village, they'll probably give you a favour if you can give them that proof. Because they'll want to know that sort of thing. But you do want to make their drives obscure, you do want to make what they're after not immediately obvious. If you have a Ladal PC as well, you can probably actually make it easier to unravel it, just because then it's like, yeah, no, here's the one party member that can make those rolls and be like, no, no, this is how House Elders act, this is what they're trying to do. Sort of thing. But if you had to typify a word for their sort of personality, it would be mysterious. A ladal done poorly can kind of come across as the Sphinx from Mystery Men, where he's just dreadfully (laughs) mysterious and speaking in aphorisms. It is that sort of thing, especially if you're running the Shadow Crusaders secrets, where they're just sort of nebulously speaking of, we have a duty to fulfill. Yeah. Yeah, but what is it, though? We cannot say, this is too dark for you. (laughs) <laughs> and these sorts of things that's that's how doll oh. can go wrong or equally if you wanted i'm almost saying now because i'm just thinking high school game again i think teenage Lidals would lean into that and yes, think it's cool yes
1: <laughs> yes you can absolutely have the Lidal who is just the silent mysterious one who just
0: he doesn't actually have anything to be mysterious about
1: <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> i am doing things that you are not to know what are they i will not tell you but i've now aggressively told you that i'm doing them <laughs>
0: Oh, it's great. And the most part, again, in your high school game, you try and look into him and he's just genuinely doing nothing. He goes home and reads his books. (laughs) And it's not even mysterious magic books. Nah, it's (laughs) Spider-Man. The thing the Exalted books never give you is how to make Exalted funny, but it is a very funny game if you look at it for more than a second.
1: Yeah, I often feel like I'm tempted to try and make games not funny because games do end up being laugh fests a lot of the time. I mean, this isn't just Exalted. This might just be my play group. But trying to do Victorian Age Vampire in Hong Kong. Oh, boy. And there are still laughs most sessions, as in fits of, the table goes. yeah, And it's just...
0: Uh? It's the thing that I come into this, as I've sort of said it every time so with all the references, I come into this from the 40k fandom, which, you know, that the darker and more mysterious the setting's trying to make itself, the funnier the fans will make it. And that's kind of how I've ended up approaching Exalted a lot of the time. We then get into the plots that you can do in their prefectures. We talked a lot about their settings, and we do want to be a podcast about the setting. We just kind of have to talk about the people first so that you know who's in there. Ladal's prefectures have a lot of interesting little things going on for them that make them really good bait for a game that Ladal isn't involved in at the party level. Because... A lot of the things going on there, you can argue, oh, House Lodal knows about this. But you as the randos going in, don't. And that'll make it interesting. It's not necessarily using House Lodal as a villain, but definitely using them as a feature of mystery.
1: Yes. The kind of Lodal as a thing to hang stuff off is very, very nice. And because they are quite so... Well, on the Blessed Isle, they're actually quite cosmopolitan in various ways. They have lots and lots of inns for other houses that... Quite a few of the other houses don't generally because their position isn't quite so assailable as Ladal's is politically, which is quite nice.
0: Yeah, you can do your game in Argylf City if you've recently watched Medici the Magnificent on Netflix. We talked about this in the lore episode as well. Argylf is so close to just being a renaissance city-state. You could put, I in fact encourage you to put... A nebulous crafter making cool, funny artifacts as a Leonardo da Vinci XP.
1: <laughs> yes, but the thing that drives me with with Ioff is the sort of the politics, though. There's so much going on in there. But as you say, it's it is kind of the Italian city states because everyone was sort of deciding who was going to be the the main ruler for Ayolf, But now it's a Ladala pointy. That's pretty much mirroring Italian history, kind of moving from the communes to the Signoria.
0: And from that to the monarchies as well, I'd argue almost, given that it was the town appointing it, they probably were in a Signoria situation, and then it's the, again, to go Florence, because I'm a Florentine at heart, it's when the Medicis come back and declare themselves kings is when Ladal starts appointing who's in charge.
1: Yeah. And so you can kind of look at the way that history evolved, and the way that they're all kind of stacked together and the way that the politics kind of plays its way out as a way of mm. pitching a game around who gets to govern our youth. And there's a lot of non-political stuff that goes in there as well, because with that particular period in history, particularly the the alliances were very well known. And so it took sort of external factors to kind of shift things and, make sure that your Guelphs and your Ghibellines weren't at odds or that one particular side was dominant over the other. And then all of a sudden, oh, you've got the Holy Roman Emperor coming in, sort of thing. And so there is so much you can do with that to kind of upset the political balance rather than just necessarily sitting in a room.
0: I'd almost encourage that sort of game as well. You almost want to push a bit from setting as the books and make it, as compared to where the books give it, where the Realm Civil War's going to happen, but not tomorrow, you kind of want to make it right on the edge. So it's the case Mm. of you're really not sure. Basically to make it so that you can't forget this is a city in the realm, because tonally Arjulf does veer away from a lot of the other Isles towns quite a bit, because it is very, very Mediterranean. That sort of thing where you make it a case of who wins this doesn't just matter for, oh, look, now who's in charge of the city. This could actually have a very, very big impact on the way everything starts falling out.
1: Yes, and kind of my in for that within the Exalted setting is getting House Pelops involved. Oh, yeah. Because one of the big threats for that city is House Pelops blockading the place.
0: Yeah, you get Pelops involved, get Nemon involved, you get Ragnar involved, he's down there enough. I almost say you'd want to have, even though it's nominally a city and a dominion that is Ladals, you kind of want the different great houses, maybe via proxies, to straight up just have people trying to run and take the city to them.
1: Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense. And having the the figure of who the mayor is, potentially as your kind of win condition for the game, but the indicator for who's in charge and kind of how the game is progressing.
0: I'm straight up seeing, actually, a Nemon Savonarola, for use of a better term. We talked about before how the Immaculate Order likes to do what it wants via uprising and peasant revolt. That sort of thing of (laughs) like, as the game's getting more tense, as it's not sure who's going to win... The Nemon one, who is probably even more in with the order than Ladala, just getting the peasants to come full pitchfork and torches for this will be an immaculate city. Blah, blah, blah.
1: Yeah, I can see that working as well. And another place for that sort of thing, all right down to your kind of your lowest level games completely, is the kind of the eye of old docks areas, that kind of wretched hive of scum and villainy, as either an agitator within the broader city politics or just a source of things that you couldn't get elsewhere or something that is where your villain is hiding out sort of thing
0: you could use that as the old docks actually in the political one i love this because Peleps is one of the few houses i have a hard time painting as evil you can use that as sort of Peleps' stronghold where they have the sailors and the dock workers because yeah it's Peleps. and you can have the thing of like no they're doing dodgy stuff as well because the key thing with that sort of game is you have to make sure that there isn't a good guy here (laughs) they're all awful.
1: Yes. And make the choice for that sort of thing thoroughly self interested, in a sense of what can the circle get out of it and potentially use that to play the players off against each other if they're up for that. Yeah. They may not be, but if they are, then that's the perfect opportunity to set up different interests and kind of play them. Yeah. That's in that sort of a way.
0: Given that you said circle there, sort of not no, half. I was just thinking for a second. If you're not dragons, that game becomes infinitely more interesting because then that also adds in the extra layer to it of you might not be trying to make anyone win. You might just be trying to stoke the fire.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean that could be an absolutely fantastic Luna's game, thinking about it.
0: Yeah. And it's the case of if you actually get rumbled. For once it's one of the cases where getting rumbled doesn't necessarily mean the end, because it can be, oh god, we've got rumbled, we're gonna have to flee the city. And then a Ragnar just quietly approaches you and says I can make this disappear, but I need a favour. <laughs> or you just
1: jump in the river.
0: Yeah, that's it. I like the idea of trying to make the Raghuram mafiosos as well as everything else, because if we're making this city Italian, the Ragara mafia is obvious. It's about family. I love it. I've got to do it now. I'm afraid I've got to make a Raghuram mafiosa. Yes, and when that is
1: done... We will post that up to the show's website. Just A lot of these ideas that we're kind of throwing out will eventually make their way onto the show's website. We originally planned that it was going to be kind of in step with the show, but it's really not turned out that way. No. Um, but yeah, wondersatlas.wordpress.com is the show's website and you'll find what we've stuck up there when we stick it up there.
0: Yeah, another place you can do for a game that actually basically cannot have any ladal PCs in it for it to really work it's a game in Howling Heart City. We mentioned this in the lore episode, that there's concerning things happening in Howling Heart where people are being taken and experimented on by House Liddell for various purposes of trying to kill anathema or bust ghosts or whatever. You going in there as anything that isn't House Liddell and just sort of, what? Well, how would you react if you saw people being snatched off the street and never seen again <laughs> sort of thing? And then when you dig, it's like, oh, they're probably dying in horrible ways for magical experimentation. And then you get to chip away at the paint further and discover, oh, the Shadow Crusade is a thing. Chip away at it further, oh, House Lidal thinks this is absolutely necessary, otherwise we will be overrun. And it's again that question of where does your morality lie?
1: Yes, and for that one, I think you kind of put it in the stages there. That almost needs to be the one where the Shadow Crusade is something that's obscure and isn't quite clear as to what it is. Because you can also potentially, with Howling Heart, also directly involve the Wild Hunt a bit more and kind of bring them in as to someone who is kind of conveniently making sure that nothing else is quite happening and everyone is kind of getting moved out of the way and that sort of thing. And But, but why? I mean, the Wild Hunt is clearly there to investigate threats to the realm and stuff.
0: And these are realm citizens being snatched up and it's that sort of thing. You can almost, in fact, do a sort of opening in Mediatres of the party, travelling to Howling Heart for whatever reason, and they get to see sort of like a Wild Hunt party drop an anathema with remarkable ease because of some funny toy they've got. And then it's the slow realisation of, oh, that's what they make there.
1: Well, that and they've also got the Shikari training ground in the prefecture. So you've got all sorts of little vignettes that you can stick in of the Wild Hunt and give them a reason to be interfering with you.
0: But you do have to make the players see, because I think the moral outrage versus necessity is going to be a real core to that. You do kind of have to make them see of like, yeah, no, the Wild Hunt is still, for a certain value of good, good. Like, that was a big scary monster there and they dealt with it like that. But the cost for dealing with it like that is civilians getting experimented
1: on yeah and it can also in theory lead into a broader conversation of the wild hunt's place in the realm and that sort of thing because the wild hunt is getting now chronically underfunded and that side of things in the case of
0: having to resort to stuff like that
1: yeah exactly it's <laughs> the case of well if you can make sure that this thing is actually funded and actually working as it's intended then you might not have to have people horribly sacrifice them to make the Philosopher's Stone or whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm almost seeing the case of like Nellon's Ragara, one of the wealthy houses in the players there, just so you can get the thing of like but, but why would you do this? Because of you, sort of bit.
1: Yeah, you can absolutely see that.
0: It's a game about outrage. <laughs> <laughs> then we go to Incas Prefecture, yes. where you're playing Whack-A-Mole with House of like That's kind of necessary there. If you can have ladals here or you can have non ladals here. It'll just be the case of Going into the prefecture, why is everything like being run terribly and falling apart here? Oh, there's an Isalsi. Quick, take him down. Aha, look, we caught one. We took him in. This is great. We found a criminal. Oh, oh God, there's more.
1: <laughs> Nothing changes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just carry on. Yeah, you can approach it from all sorts of angles there because there is just so much going on with Incas. I would be curious as to quite how much you involve the order early on is my thought there. Because the heart of Iselsi, particularly in Inca's Prefecture, is the Immaculate Order, and so leading breadcrumbs to the monks being the heart of it would be the kind of the beat there. And making different Aselci appear doing different things just to make sure that there's no real hint um, that they're tied to one particular structure. I mean, it depends on quite how much you want to have them uncover the Excelsi as a thing. But encountering them in all those different contexts can also give them an idea of what Excelsi's Vendetta is about. You can get little different pieces of the puzzle dispensed via different NPCs that can be dispensed with. This is the point where having disposable antagonists is fine because there are so many of the blighters and (laughs) you kind of realise you've walked into the lion's den sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I think you'd want to stretch out the hunt for the first one so they think, oh yeah, this is important, this is big. And then things just carry on and they keep keep doing it. And then it gets a lot quicker that you're dealing with them after that. But also, when you want to up the stakes, instead of having to go somewhere where there's more dangerous stuff, it just becomes, you catch one is and the house is like, they were probably stupid and deserve to get caught. You catch two, you catch three, four, five. Then you get eyes on you. Then you're a problem. Then you wake up and there's a bucket of blood left next to your bed with some fingers in it. And you look, and they're not yours. And that's worse. <laughs> and it's the thing of the house trying to actually scare you off at a point when you start becoming difficult and then if you don't get scared off they start coming for you and it's how you can go from the whole ah look we're solving mysteries to what's going on to that slow transition into not just we can't deal with this because there's too many of them but i don't think we can deal with this and survive where it starts getting scary
1: yes (laughs) Or if you want to make it into a Lidal game where you're tied to House Ladal, you don't necessarily need to have everyone be House Ladal born and bred, but you can do things with marriage alliances and people who are brought in to serve with the army for various reasons and that sort of stuff. But you can almost have it as sort of tower defence and the case of, right, make sure that particular resources are secure and working and functioning properly. Restoring the whole prefecture would be quite a long campaign, I think, but working to make Imkas Prefecture a functioning and good Ladal Prefecture would be a superb long-term game, I
0: think. Yeah. Heck, I'm almost seeing, actually, the party there. I can see a way that this party works being, again, assuming two or a multiple of two. Lidal stroke Lidal affiliated, Nemon stroke Nemon affiliated. And it's the uncomfortable thing where at the start, it's like they've got beef over the religion, like we said before. But then when they realise, no, no, this is a problem. Look, we can agree on dealing with this, especially because you will have to interface with the Immacupope.
1: Yes, you will have to deal with the Mouth of Peace and deal with any and all a selfie stuff in there and all of that sort of stuff so there is a good lot in that
0: yeah Uh, you can do stuff with the blue star festival which we talked about before which is basically the enormous religious festival that turns a city into a crime den for a while where all the gambling happens and all of the shady stuff happens because yeah transitory population and all that
1: yep for reference that is in tuchara which is basically just a place that's absolutely chock full of entertainment places and nice little gardens and stuff it's lots and lots of occasions for beach episodes i feel with that one yeah (laughs) kind of everyone taking mm. their ease and kind of dealing with all of the fallout from a festival yeah or equally
0: any story that were it in a modern genre would be set in vegas yes It's that sort of thing of everything's party, everything's gambling, everything's bright and colourful if you're doing it during the festival. And, oh, something's going wrong. And equally, when the festival ends, everyone will disappear. So you're not really going to get a chance to catch them unless you catch them now.
1: Yeah. And that kind of frenetic pace is something that's good for very short term defined games in terms of actually kind of the micro storytelling of that one. You want to have people making decisions quickly. Assign timeframes to everything. Make sure that people realise that, oh, if we screw up with this, we've lost it. And that they've got to think, how do we use a limited resource here? So that they can't just sit back and chess master. I mean, granted, you will have to sort of sit around a table and spend maybe a couple of hours or so in game time to sort stuff out. But making everything feel fast paced and chaotic and nothing works because of the festival and everyone's hungover almost or everyone's either hungover or drunk It's just just emphasizing the chaotic with that sort of a game would be absolutely fantastic i think
0: you could also probably almost do a the phrase just entered my head the blue star hangover and it's the case of you fade in the day after the festival has ended you're all waking up what the heck's just happened (laughs)
1: yes it is a good excuse for the hangover the rpg
0: yeah we can do ghostbusters in the tarpan waste because the tarpan waste is so very very obviously a cool mysterious ghostbuster-y setting you can deal with the dragon there as well it's always going to be fun
1: yeah i think the thing for the tarpan for me is that it's a fantastically weird mysterious place to be and it's not the wild that's doing it yeah that is just a breath of fresh air in terms of how you think about weird landscapes in Exalted. But you will have to kind of emphasise that difference in how it comes across. It's not that everything is weird and one day you wake up and you're a tree. But I don't know, I almost think my reference point for that is the Animatrix episode where the kids find the haunted house and the Matrix is broken. And so they can do things like jump at the ground and never really land properly unless they want to. And Just those sort of little kind of, and being able to kind of resolve certain bits of it, maybe if you do the right sort of geomancy and just having those sorts of effects that kind of warp reality in a way that you don't really see in a lot of places in creation.
0: I kind of almost want to for that. I kind of want to give the elemental dragon running the place. I kind of want to give him a cult. I kind of want the one bit of social cohesion in such a weird landscape being around this dragon.
1: Yes, (laughs) And just to do the mad media mash that is this podcast, just because it's desert and everyone's kind of clinging on to resources and everyone is attacking everyone else, there's raving ghosts and whatever else. Make it into Mad Max, essentially, with one of the (laughs) elemental dragon and his spirit court being the big bad biker equivalent, that they are just the largest, biggest violent threat in the area and they have order purely because they can be violent towards everyone else and that's pretty much why but granted with this sort of a game i'd almost question why on earth you would have player characters going there because it's not a place you really want to stay and take in the scenery
0: you want to do the easy one you make the player characters loosely blood related in the way that the dynasty allows <laughs> where you're like you your second, third, 50, 57th cousins that have slightly different house affiliations because of marriage and all that. You've inherited a land right in there. You do kingmaker in this place. This is yours. Fix it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And it's that case of when you get approached in your nice, normal home city. And you're like, look, we've given you so many acres of so many lee of land in in this wonderful place on the other side of the aisle. And you're like, oh, great. We're, we're rich. We're landowners. We're we're proper nobility. Oh. Yeah, there. And you see <laughs> what you've been given. And it's the thing of, yeah, this was a white elephant.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I mean, even that, if you wanted to kind of kick a political game sideways, make it a literal white elephant and make the keepers of the Empress's wilderness give it to you as a proper responsibility and kind of play it out that way.
0: I think doing something like Pathfinder's Kingmaker with that can be a really, really interesting thing to do because it's a location that's on the aisle. It's supposed to be because it's on the aisle. Again, this is the stable bit. This is the good bit. So if you mess up, there are consequences because now it's not just, oh, yeah, the geomancy is weird. No, it's you failed because we gave it to you to take care of.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Or alternatively, you then find some reason why it's someone else's fault and someone else's (laughs) problem. I mean, that has to be an out for this sort of a game. Oh,
0: yeah. Give it to someone else.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That can't be a quick solution, but it needs to be a solution of a sort.
0: Yeah. And that that gives you all sorts of interesting little things to do there. And you don't normally get that kind of game on the aisle, is the thing. Because you can't normally do the, oh yeah, look, you're in charge game when you're on the aisle. Because anyone who's in charge of anything on the aisle is too important. But here you can do it, because it's the place I think no one wants.
1: And the final location that I think that we picked out as a place to do things in the prefectures was Yarrow Stork and the Office of Harmony and stability in uncertain climes, which this is kind of the wild hunt Ladar game on the Isle and it's basically that they're starting to they're steadily fall apart and the kind of the town around them is starting to grow in its unrest because the tourist trade is dropping off and there's resentment growing between yarrow and the wild hunt chapter that's based there and so you can start having a riot and that sort of thing basically this is town versus gown the game in an exalted context if you yeah. want to put it that way you've got a population that is sustained by an independent means right squarely in the middle of a population that is declining and failing and so you can bring out all of those social tensions you can bring out dragon blooded versus non-dragon blooded you can say well why are you here there's no anathema here sort of thing just go away be somewhere else and that could almost be a Luna pushing at something I mean Lunas on the Isle is a bit of a gamble but it's a possibility
0: what I'd argue for you if you want another Exalt as a villain one of the things that the setting is 50-50 on it says they all exist but only gives us very few to know about is town and city gods yes give Yarostook a city god give them an exigent yeah. And then it can be very mm. much the case of it's the people versus the office. <laughs> because it's like, the, mm. we rule this city. I am this city.
1: Yes. I think it will vary depending on what side your players are on. If you're Ladal aligned, I'll say, rather than necessarily just being Ladal PCs and trying to keep the Office of Harmony and Stability in place, then it's a very, very different game from... We want the wild hunt gone. It's a waste of money. It's a good fortress. Let's take it for ourselves, sort of a game. So, you can have different spins on brewing that unrest, either stoking it yourselves, just getting the various levers for it. Do you start sabotaging the locals deliberately? What can you offer the city exigent, if there is one, to start taking your corner against one of the bastions of stability in the region and so on? So, you can do a lot with that.
0: I'm just, I just saw in my head for a second there again, the horrible way my brain. A a rag or a player, in this case, would just, I'll pay you $200 to fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which, for an exigent, that's a deal you can usually make with them. Yeah, well, it depends on how
1: well they get on with their patron, but the City Gods thing is more or less a franchise at this point. Their relationship with the people who exalt them is tenuous at best, or it doesn't need to be close
0: And equally, a way to make the exigent a bit more interesting there in that they don't have a higher authority they can just back down on and you have to make more of a character. Gods don't always survive making an exigent. It can burn them up completely. And so if the city god is basically like, yeah, fine, I'll give up me because they don't listen to me. They know how to deal with gods. But you, you they can work with. (laughs) Save the town sort of thing. But yeah, with that, we now get to our maker game that, unless the editing cuts it out completely, you will notice we basically came up with earlier rambling. Yes. <laughs> Which in the few minutes since we came up with it, I have decided to name, for us, it was Mars Day. If you haven't gone and seen Street Fighter the movie, do so. It's funny. It's not good, but it's funny.
1: <laughs> Better. Good qualifier. Um, <laughs> that. <yeah.
0: laughs> um, Mars Day, for reference, is a day of the week because we got an exalted... Days of the week system, and they're silly. Yes. Yes, they are. But Sunday, Moon Day, Mars Day, Mercury Day, Jupiter Day, Venus Day, and Saturn Day.
1: Anyway, to recap on this, this is going up against someone who is influenced and increasingly empowered by the Oracle in the northern cliffs of Arjolf Dominion. Just to recap, the Oracle is a voice that just comes out of a fissure in one of the cliffs in the north of the Dominion. Supposedly, Visited by the Empress, which, if you know the various stories of the return of the Starless Empress, that leads even more into how this particular plot's going to go. It
0: makes it potentially scarier as to what it is, frankly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because it's been associated with corruption and that sort of thing for a good while. It was potentially also a reason for Jeroel's corruption. But basically your setup is that your players come along and they are... Well, your players are sent, are sent in to put down an active revolt, maybe, or do we? how much do we want this to I be? I wouldn't a- say
0: active revolt at the start. i say at the start, you can probably be Arjulf natives, frankly. You can know the city. And you're either Dynas who actually do probably live there or you're there for work or whatever, and it's just the case of you catch peasants rabble-rousing as peasants are want to do, some person calling himself a prophet. You're Ladals. You might not be an all-the-doll party, but at least enough of you Ladals to get the whole thing or immaculate enough to get the whole thing of, no, that's heresy, come on. And you take him, turns into a little fight. He's just a human peasant. You give him a pathetic stat line so that maybe this can even serve as a tutorial for combat if one of your players hasn't played before. (laughs) There's a pathetic little stat line so you can just take him out like that. And you're dragons and he was a peasant doing heresy. There's not going to be any legal repercussion for this. And that happens. That's your session one. You then, for the next few sessions, go and do a different story for a while. And this is the key part, because you need your players to basically forget that session one after a while. So you have them do any of the other little stories we've given, maybe a political archival thing, maybe other stuff. Let them think, okay, this is where the game's going. That was just the intro session for the characters and whatnot. Then there's a rebellion. There's a rebellion happening. Okay. You will get called in by the powers that be to try and deal with this rebellion, because there's magic in the rebellion as well, which isn't good. There's ghosts and stuff walking along with the peasant armies. That's really not good. You maybe do your digging, maybe not. Depends on how you want to characterize this prophet. And you'll eventually find out there's an abyssal at the head of this. An abyssal who feels really personally wronged by... Your friends probably initially think, the realm. No, no, no. It's the players he has an issue with. And the reveal that comes as they actually dig into him more, trying to fight and deal with this rebellion, that because Abyssal and because Necromancers has the problem of, yes, you can kill the peasants, but then they get up again.
1: Yes, and you start to have proper, proper kind of shadowlands sort of leeching out from the cliffs. And so you kind of have to put down this Abyssal and whatever lieutenants it's sending out and have this message of sort of egalitarianism and and kind of almost a manifest destiny type message being set out because... The message came from an oracle, so you need to have words about the future and kind of a doom cult kind of feel to it. You
0: can even play into the fact that everyone knows the realms of war is going to happen. They're like, this empire is doomed. It will fall. In the future, there will be a land where there is no man and dragon. There is no living and dead. We will all be as one beneath the whatever the heck. That whole thing. You make it basically sound in a way that peasants will jump up to who have chafings with the realm in any way. And Mm -hmm. he's rising with it. The twist at the sort of beginning of the third act, of course, is that players do have to realise that, oh, this abyssal, that's the guy we killed in session one. That's why he's got such a beef with us. Yes. And we make the cave a literal whispers of the Neverborn situation.
1: Yeah. Although the question then is, is the end game killing the abyssal or is the end game shutting up the cave?
0: Potentially either. This can be a case where the players might actually think it's one and it has to be the other. If they don't understand what a proper abyssal is, which there's a non-zero chance they don't, They think the cave is the problem and this is just a guy. Shut the cave off, the guy's still going. Or vice versa. They kill the guy and like, we've dealt with the abyssal. And another one gets made.
1: Yes, you have an abyssal factory coming out of this thing because of how the Oracle is wanting things to work. I've just realised where I'm kind of subconsciously drawing some inspiration for this from. The um, fighting fantasy game book, Portal of Evil, by Peter Darville Evans, if you know that one. Look up the plot for that. It's basically how this works or how this has played out without the dimension hopping.
0: Yeah, but it's that thing of like, the reason that we gave it the name reference there is it it can very much be the case of, once it's not a villain monologue being used, it's a hero one, of the day we executed you was the most important day of your life. For us, it was Mars Day. (laughs)
1: Yes, (laughs) absolutely. And I also think for the middle stages where you're supposed to be forgetting it, if you want to kind of foreshadow that, you can potentially have the Abyssal sending out feelers to other places. You kind of hear rumblings of peasant discontent elsewhere, yeah. or or even have some mysterious figure coming up and discussing with the Immaculates. And and what even more worrying, turning them.
0: Yeah. You can have like that. You make it a daybreak cast, because that lets you do lots of necromancy. That also lets you, potentially, if you want to start playing with sorcery, and like we said, Lodal Tones of Sorcery is like, oh, he's using sorcery to, like, twist the minds of immaculate monks and he's trying to convert them, using the whispers of the Neverborn to basically drive them into being creepy Neverborn cultists. You can have, if you want, the foreshadowing stage, like you said there, like, dealing with other, outside of Argyll, like, minor disturbances of, oh, look, there's bandits or something like that, and you can just have the recurring problem be that, like, there's, like, a ghost or something that's prompting this, and you're thinking, oh, it's just undead being weird and undead. That's what they do until you realise they're all working for someone.
1: Yeah, well, actually, the cast, you can actually kind of vary it as to what sort of the threats are. If you want to make them the Daybreak cast, you have all of that sort of sorcery, and we'll have to do some homebrewing if we want to kind of systematise this, but sort of necrotech equivalents, kind of coming out and kind of the proper army building sort of thing, and then eventually start laying siege to places, and that sort of thing. But if you want to... Have someone who is rabble-rousing, turning crowds with their speeches and that sort of thing, sending out diplomats and almost starting to set up a proto-state within Eye of the Minion. then make them a Moonshadow cast.
0: I was almost saying with Moonshadow, if you want to go for like Midnight for your rabble-rousy one, the Moonshadow one, since they're equivalent to Eclipse rather than Zenith, I was almost thinking with them, you can really lean into the how they're messing with the Immaculates and other dragons things, because they have the freaky, like Eclipse cast have the freaky contracts powers that are ripe for abuse, they have their Oathbreaker curse things. And so it can be the case of like the weird thing of, yeah, there was this guy who like t- came up and tried to make some immaculates promise to serve the best interests of the peasantry or whatever the heck. And then the moment they do one little thing, and it's abusing that sort of thing. We use the moon shadow to really point out the hypocrisy inherent in the realm with it.
1: Yes, you can really do quite a nice critique of that, yes.
0: A day cast is just all of the important people are dying. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. You don't quite get the same effect with the Daycast, I don't think, with this sort of a thing.
0: Because they're sneaky.
1: I think pretty much any cast other than Daycast will work because you can just kind of have something rolling out from the cliffs and have something happening that eventually the players will take notice of. As you're setting up the alternative takes somewhere else in the aisle, you can kind of have word come in or news come in from various places and just drop in little bits of, oh, this village is in revolt, and then the black helmets can't take it down, and those sorts of things.
0: I tell you how a day cast could work for it, actually. Instead of focusing on the assassins, still focus on the stealth. It's just exposing all of the secrets and stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, these immaculates that you love so much, look at what they're doing to people. These dragon-blooded nobles you're letting rule you, look at what they've just done. This is what House Ladal's doing in Howling Heart sort of thing. Yeah. How long until they do it to you? And it's these sorts of things. Because you can almost make the Daycast one kind of like your Grey Fox sort of figure, where no one even knows who it is, but they know they're at the core of it.
1: Yes, that can work really nicely.
0: It's that case of, there's lots of interesting things you do with it, but the main theme you really want to drive in is basically the... And it's weird to do it as a dragon-blooded game, frankly, because normally you do it as another Exalt game, but in this case, of no, the, the way the realm rules isn't really just in any way.
1: Yeah, and you kind of get the players asking, well, why are we doing this?
0: Are we the baddies? Yeah. And what you have to do then is remind them, potentially by an excursion to the cave, because again, they might think, oh, the cave is the source of it, of, we might not be just, but we're better than that.
1: Yes, absolutely. And you can kind of take everything away from that. In terms of destroying the cave, you would potentially have to, if you don't have a sorcerer within the party, then you'd have to get someone else on board to do this. But sorcerous rituals to sort of block it off and then some actual demolition work yeah. to properly seal the place up. And whatever sort of cover stories you want to kind of make with that.
0: There was can- an earthquake. <laughs> it- we saw the smoke. A very big earthquake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And... All of the other bits you can kind of have. What sort of incidental encounters do we want with this? I mean, you want kind of ghosts doing something and ghosts leading peasants and various ways.
0: I'm kind of thinking part of the early stages before you realise how big a problem of it is just the undead getting uppity. And so it's Mm -hmm. the case of like, yeah, there's just, you pass by a cemetery in the city and it's like, oh, oh, ghosts are popping out of the ground. Okay, deal with that must be that time of year, blah, 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 that sort of thing. You can do lots of ghost busting. Another interesting thing you can do with this, in the early stages where we know there's a revolt and an uprising, but no one appreciates how big a problem it is yet, you can almost bring in a little bit of that of political game where the various forces that be there are trying to use it instead of stop it. Yeah. And you can make that sort of secondary antagonist being like various other great house powers or maybe even just the... Now, the city locals that want the old system back would probably join it, but the other great houses that want to take over being like oh oh that's very unfortunate look at what ladal rule has done to the city are you going to help us stop it look at what ladal rule has done to the city <laughs> and they kind of want it to do as much damage as it can without ruining the thing so that they have an excuse to move in and you can almost add that as a sort of secondary plot line trying to make sure that when this is dealt with the city doesn't suddenly change hands
1: yeah I would almost make that the distracting plotline. Once you've done the putting down, you bring in the broader politics and suck them away to the city, get them away from the location however you want to, get them a political appointee somewhere within Arjolf city itself or somewhere further down near the coast and then kind of bring them into that mire.
0: It can even be that that's the reason they were going to Arjolf in the first place and they just encounter the heresy on the road there so that they do really think it's just an incidental little encounter.
1: Yeah, and then you suddenly get the reveal of, oh, you recognise this person.
0: The bonus part as well, what you have to do, it's, it's obligatory, you have to give him a helmet or a b- big hood or something like that that obscures the face so they can see him a couple of times without seeing his face and so they don't realise <laughs> who it is. Yes. So that you can have the dramatic reveal of, do you know this face?
1: Yeah, there's part of me that almost wants to set off a chain that until you shut the caves off, then someone who the players kill Get created as an abyssal every time.
0: <laughs> yes, and oh, oh, oh! Basically,
1: what's going to happen? You would need to tier your antagonists. I think you can have your ghosts with your basic stat lines. So you have your peasants with your basics. You also will have a cult within there who will have been brought into the cave and shown the whispers in the cave, which is the neverborn,
0: living nephrax. Yes,
1: uh, mm. yeah, and you could potentially. Potentially, depending on how much you wanted to make them a threat, give them the odd nephrax charm or whatever, and just the odd thing that makes them look a little different.
0: If the guy's raising ghosts, you can put actual nephrax in there.
1: Yeah, it's just a way to kind of indicate that there are suitable vessels for the next incarnation, is what I'm going for there, until the thing is taken down.
0: And I raised to you one additional step for the line of it's always that one of the players have killed. If you've got a Ladal in the party... The demon blood angle. There's a reason it's always people you've killed. Ooh,
1: that's nasty. <laughs> I'm trying to think how you would weave that in, because unless the players start asking questions like, "Oh, is it something I've done?" which is not something you can guarantee.
0: No, but it's. I think the line that you do with it is this does require there to be multiple steps past the profit. So again, like with the iselsi thing, you make that the long-lasting one, and then other ones are quicker as you're dealing with it. But it's the case of you probably almost do want to get some support from other things like a large, like the town town guards or the garrisons or whatever, or other dragons and stuff, so that you can see a couple of generations of Abyssals. And it's always the ones that you've personally managed to drop that keep doing. So it gets to the point of, no, this can't just be random chance. And it's not just dragons. And the way I do it, just because of how I tend to go with my player group, I tend to give the players quite a lot of information because I can rely on them to play it in character still, which may not be the same case for your group, but I would let one know just sort of quietly, if they don't put it in at the character creation, be like, so some of the lads have demon blood. That is your guy. And I think we make sure that the Lodal knows they have this, so that mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the other players asking questions, but as it's constantly over and over again, it's the ladal themselves being like, oh, oh. Oh no, is this me? Oh no.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. If you kind of purposefully breadcrumb it and make it that sort of way, and make sure that you've prepared what the faces and the appearance of these people are in advance. Make sure you've got that woven into mm. your fighting descriptions. Make a bunch of peasants. Just make a bunch of peasants. Yeah. But whatever you do, prepare it in advance. Because mm. you can say, oh, yes, I'll make up a description on the fly and then stick to that. Even if you can stick to it, you will forget at one point because of how these games work. You will get sucked up in the moment and something else will go wrong. Make sure this is all prepared so that you don't have to think and just to make sure that it's there.
0: And it's this kind of problem as well. There's lots of little subplotlines. We talked about the political angle. There's also the Immaculate angle where not just will the Immaculate Order get upset because, oh God, all of Arjulf is turning into a Shadowland slowly, which no one's going to be happy with. But also the fact of it wouldn't be an episode of ours if I didn't start talking about Sidereals. <laughs> <laughs> the people behind the Order being, now, wait a minute, that's Neverborn. Now, wait a minute, they've got an inn. No, 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 no. Yes. This is a problem. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: that's a lovely game setup. Yeah.
0: See, this is why we've decided to improv them instead of rewriting them. You wouldn't have gotten this insanity if we hadn't bounced the little ramble off each other earlier and then came up with this insane idea. Yeah. I oh. want to run this. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, it will be so much fun. <laughs>
0: So, if you want to run this with your groups at home, and you do, send us an email at wondrousatlas at gmail.com or leave a review on this episode on Spotify or Stitcher or any of the other places that we've put this up on so that we can know how it went when you did it.
1: Yes, absolutely. If you want to run all this stuff or if you have any ideas for it or as we're developing the things or whatever, please do get in touch. Drop us an email. We are at wondrousatlas on Twitter as well as wondrousatlas at gmail.com and... Yes, we would absolutely love to hear from you any ideas that you've got for how these games are going to work or just anything that we are doing about the podcast in general. But yes, and that is, I think, going to be it for this episode until we get to House Nimon.
0: I don't like House Nimon. Expect angry <laughs> rants.
1: Yeah, that one's going to be an interesting exercise in emotional control, I feel.
0: Gaslight gatekeep girl boss, the house. <laughs> it's it, it's
1: it's going to be messy please please <laughs> join us it will be fantastic yep <laughs> but yes but anyway this week it has been the Ladal. thank you ever so much for joining us for, to crack open the wondrous atlas of creation's destiny I hope you've enjoyed it just as much as we have catch bye you bye later bye. goodbye thank you for listening to the wondrous atlas of creation's destiny an exalted podcast presented by Aramithius and Rails. Check out the show notes and story seeds from this episode at wondrousatlas.wordpress.com and if you have any questions, drop us an email at wondrousatlas at gmail.com. The opening music for this podcast is Traveling to the Blessed Isle by James Semple and the closing music is Exploring Creation, also by James Semple. Both tracks are taken from the album Exalted Dreams of the Second Age and are property of Onyx Path Publishing, used with
0: permission. And leave reviews on Spotify, on Stitcher, on all of the other platforms, uh, because we're hungry for engagement.
1: <laughs> so Feed <laughs> that algorithm.
0: Genuine. We need it. Yeah. Now. <laughs> we have to eat.
1: <laughs> yeah. Lado. You don't have to have a backstory, but it may harm your plot if in future you don't mention when backstorying something which you later rely on in play. Anything that you do have as backstory will be used against you.
0: And that whole bit. And you can get them killed like Brom in Aragon and make everyone sad.
1: Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you you could absolutely do that if you want
0: cheese. Ladal Brom. <laughs> you see that? You see that was smooth. segue. that was graceful. That yes, was. absolutely. <laughs>